Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Welcome to IntelliCast. This is Season 4, Episode 26. Thanks for joining. How about our punk rock music? Pretty awesome. Um, We're going to talk about SampleCon today, but this episode is brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. You can reach us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. Follow us on Twitter, EMI underscore research and IntelliCast1. You can leave us a voicemail, call or text us at 513-401-5463. Hello, Brian. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? Man, I'm good. It's a Friday. Been a long week. It has. Ready for it to end. Um, it's been hot here. Whew, man. I'm kind of looking forward to, to cooling down a little bit. because That's what the rumor is. Yeah. Hoping to get to the pool this weekend. We've only got a couple weeks left before, you know, kids go back to school and all that. So. Yeah. Watching a lot of Olympics. Are you watching Olympics? I am. That is, my kids have gotten into it. Uh, we watch it at least a half hour, 45 minutes every night, which for them, that's gets them way past their bedtime. So, yeah, I'm really into it. I forget what we were watching last night, but oh, the women's canoeing. Oh, God. All right. It, it was essentially kayaking. I'm like, and it was the first year for it. And like, I was just mesmerized by it. I'm like, okay, let's do All right, I'll sit and watch this. Yeah. Yeah, I love the little, like, handball is my newest little badminton. Really good. It's cool. Quick-paced, fast-paced sports. Um, I just hate the time difference. So I'm looking forward to Paris and L.A. when I'll be a little bit closer to our time zone. Because I like streaming live, and you can get it late at night and early in the morning, but that's kind of hard to do. Had for these Summer Olympics, is there is there kind of a sport that stood out that's kind of this year's curling from, like, last year's – or the last time there was the Winter Olympics? It seems everyone started getting into curling. Is there something that you would say is this year's – this Olympics, like, standout sport? Well, for me – and this is only because it's on the background when I'm in the office – is this equestrian. I have a lot of questions about – dressage dressage and equestrian and i like first of all i don't think the horses go to the same country as the quote athlete that is really problematic for me like you can pick any horse that seems like that's ridiculous like if you're from america you should pick an american horse if you're from canada pick a canadian horse that's my first problem with it my second problem is the horse doesn't get a medal the horse deserves all the credit. We don't know the horse's name. Like it's like the Kentucky Derby, you know the horse's name, right? Right. I don't know the horse's name. I don't even know what's going on. Were they part of the of the parade, the opening ceremonies? Like I just have a lot of questions about it because I feel like the horse is doing everything. I feel like I could sit on the horse and it would do the same thing. Yeah. That's 
to your question. I answered a completely different question. <laughs> well, I'm with you on that. Um, I was. I think it was on a couple days ago when we were both in the office. Yes. And I think it was horse dancing. Yeah. My first thought was how. How is this a sport? Not how is this an Olympic sport? How is this considered a sport? Because I have my own personal view of that. Like, it has to take athletic ability. So some people question, like, ping pong and stuff. Well, it still takes a little athleticism to do that at that level. Yeah. What athlete? I'm pretty sure I could get on any of these horses and do fairly well. Well, Kind of like NASCAR. I could probably get in the car. I don't even understand how this exists because. Like, wh- why does this even exist? <laughs> like, has, how is PETA not protesting this and that we're forcing da- horses to dance around? Um, <laughs> I don't know why, this isn't like 1840, you know? Um, the Wild Wild West and when you have little carnivals and stuff, I guess. I don't know. Like, we've evolved as a society to not do this to animals, I thought. Well, to counter what we've just said here is someone in our office did say, hey, do you know how much athletic ability it takes to ride a horse? No, I do not. I just, looking at that, it just seems like something it, this shouldn't be an Olympic sport. Kind of like how I feel breakdancing coming up at the Paris Olympics shouldn't be an Olympic sport, but it's closer than horse dancing. Well, see, I've, I've come all the way around. I think the Olympics should include more not just sports, but activities. I think we should expand the Olympics by a ton. I would want like 4,000 more events. I want everything in the Olympics. I want the chess championship. I want the spelling bee championship. I want to create 4 million other sports like like um, the dunk contest. Put that in the Olympics. Three-point shooting contest, Olympic sport. Who can kick the ball the farthest? Olympic sport. I want expand it. And everything possible that you can think of should be in the Olympics. Well, this actually came up. I was talking to someone else in our office when we were watching handball, actually, because we thought, oh, watching this, this seems like a cross between basketball and lacrosse. And then we got to like, why isn't lacrosse an Olympic sport, particularly a summer Olympics? Got, okay, yeah, it might be limited in its rate, it limited in its availability for countries, but it seems like it should be in there above some of these other ones. Absolutely. Yeah, make everything a sport. Who cares? Just do it all. Lacrosse is an actual sport, though. That's the difference between some of these. Yeah. Well, we didn't have this on the timeline to talk about, though. We thought this was going to be a 10-minute intro. Um, maybe we should move on. We have Mary Draper coming on talking about sample cloud here in a minute after the news, right? Correct. Yeah, you want to jump right into the news? Yeah. Um, first, um, we have a webinar coming up. We do. Um, and I'm, I'm what I'm most excited about is that I don't have to stress about the webinar. Um, you have to stress about it Jason Enderhees does, Tony Brown does and they're going to be amazing at it it's about the evolution of B2B um, sample Um, it's Wednesday, August 4th at 2pm Eastern Time Um, anything else I'm missing? No, uh, the registration link will be in the show notes and we hope you guys attend yeah, Wednesday the 4th at 2pm um, if you can't attend, we'll send out the uh, link to the recording afterwards. So at least register. Yeah. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's jump into some news now. Um, first up, Suzy, the real-time research platform, has closed a new round of Series D funding uh, where they raised $50 million, which is, I think, in reading the article, was more than they had raised previously. So, I, My favorite part of this is when you say it out loud, when you have Series D funding, it's like defunding. Yeah, <laughs> they're not defunding. They got fifty million bucks. So Susie came out of nowhere in the past couple of years, started making some pretty big hires, um, started to be loud in the industry. Um, pretty interesting solutions they're offering. We know a lot of people that work there, so you know it's nice to have another new entrant and some money to spend. And so I expect big things from Susie. Yeah. Our next story uh, is a little bit of first half reporting news from Ipsos, where they reported their first half 2021 revenue jumped 26.4% compared to last year to just under a billion euros. Yeah, I think we're starting to see a lot of this as we have the kind of the COVID effect in these. But I mean, that's awesome. Whenever your revenue jumps 26%, um, organic growth. From the first half of last year, 31%. That's awesome. So good for Ipsos, good for the insights community, good for research, good for everybody. Hopefully we'll see a lot more of this coming soon. Yeah, I, I like that. I should have gone, done a little more research into this and to see how it compares to their 2019 numbers because that's probably a better comparison. Yeah, yep. But so Very good for them. Yeah. Um, next up, Nielsen has launched their cookie-less approach to audience and outcome measurements to ensure advertisers and publishers can measure in a privacy-first media environment. I know this is something we have talked about uh, several times on different podcasts of what the future might hold once Google eliminates the cookies and what will it look like for tracking and all of that. So it looks like Nielsen's getting out ahead of this. Yeah, um... Of course, they're going to figure this out. Nielsen was probably the one that was going to figure this out first. I'm just curious if, you know, they have a cookie-less solution. Um, Will then the browsers and society ban that? Is this going to be kind of a circular kind of effort that we we try to figure out a way to find out what people are doing, and then we ban it, and we figure out another way to track what people are doing, and then we ban that too? I don't know. Um, But it'd be kind of interesting to see what Nielsen does with this. Yeah, I think it's going to be that a little bit, but I think it's also going to lead into more of a, all right, yes, you have my permission to use yeah. this, but next person, nope, you don't, that kind of, It's going to be much more permission, individual permission-based than just, yep, you've agreed and everyone gets it type of thing. So Right, right. Um, in our final story, the Insights Association's Idea Council has published an inclusion toolkit for the market research sector, and which sets out a framework developed for organizations and includes link to resources to help make organizations more diverse. What are your thoughts on that? This is an amazing document. It's five pages. It's a PDF that 
I would encourage everyone to download. Um, I mean, awesome job from the Insights Association and the newly formed Idea Council. We know a lot of people on there. We've talked about it a lot. But this five-page document, and the first page is just a title page, um, has a ton of links. So I would encourage every organization, maybe even every person to download this because you'll learn something and there's links to everything. I don't know how many links there are in this document, probably a hundred um, about all kinds of different things related to diversity and inclusion and the importance of it, all kinds of research resources. And so awesome job. It's nice to see like a, a short document like this. It's just punched with a lot of power. Yeah, I I agree. I think this was a great document. And it they seem to get it out quick since the Idea Council has been formed. Yeah, they got it out real quick. This seems like something that would take a while to to create, especially with how like the quality of the um the design of it is really good. Um so good job. I mean, there's a there's too many organizations and people that kind of built this. They're all listed in the document, but I mean, it's just great work. Yeah, and we'll put a link to it uh, in the show notes as well. Awesome. Yep. Uh, with that, that is all of our market research news uh, coming up. Uh, right after, we're going to take a little break, and then Mary Draper is going to join us with a SampleCon recap. Yeah, uh, Mary um, went to SampleCon. She's been, I don't know how many straight years she's been. It's probably six-ish or seven. She leads our partners, um, our network for EMI, she also leads our quality, so she was the right person to go. I would have loved to go on. It's the first one I've missed in a long time, and so I was sad not to go, but we'll have Marianne to talk about it and give the highlights right after this. Joining us now is Mary Rose Draper. Hello, Mary. How are you? Hi, Brian. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. Do you like when I use your middle name? I do. I like when you use my correct middle name. <laughs> well, some days I call you Mary whatever Draper. Yeah, Marianne or... Yeah, Mary Louise, Mary <laughs> Nightingale. It could be anything, but I know when to choose my battles with you, and on a podcast, is not one of them. But I'm really glad you're joining. This is twice in like two weeks, and you're fresh off of the plane from Los Angeles, and we're going to talk SampleCon, just kind of high level, um, what kind of the big issues that are affecting the sampling industry that you heard. Um, first thing I want to say is... I'm really jealous that you got to go. I will say that so many people at the conference asked, where was Brian? So I, I think that yeah. um, should we go back to SampleCon again next year, you're going to have to be in attendance because it was very difficult for me to justify why I was there without you. Um, oh, that's well, yeah. A lot of people there love, love to see you there and value your insight into our industry. Well, um I miss going. I miss hanging out with you. That's one of the few times we get to hang out outside of the EMI walls or on a Zoom call. Um, do they say where it's going to be next year, by the way? Let's just go straight to next year. <laughs> <laughs> we have not heard about where it's going to be next year, but there was a follow-up survey that I recently participated in that SampleCon yeah. shared. And one of the questions was around how satisfied you were with the location and, and if that was a determining factor and why you attended this year. So I'm sure that they'll get some insight from that yeah. question to see if interest spiked because it was in sunny Pasadena, California um, versus yeah. the other locations where we've had it. It keeps moving farther west each, well, not every year because it went from New Orleans to Atlanta 
Uh, right. I, yeah, I feel we we had Austin and I think and then Atlanta. Yeah, and then now to LA. So next year I'm expecting Hawaii or um, something like that. But anyway, let's talk about this past year. Um, first of all, I'm glad they called it the 2021 sample con instead of 2020 <laughs> sample con. Um, other than you know the Olympics, what they're doing. Um, okay. Curious what kind of the big themes of sample con were from your perspective. Um, well, ahead of the themes, I will just say from this being a conference, we talked about this in the last time we talked about SampleCon on the podcast, was that this is kind of the first conference back since having shut down after the pandemic. Yeah. The first in-person experience. So I, I did appreciate that the badges were a little bit bigger so that you could read someone's name from a few steps oh. back. Um, there, oh, that was so smart. Yeah, there was also uh, a basket of bracelets when you first check in and register and get your badge that indicated whether or not you were fine with like contact hugs and handshakes or if you prefer the fist bump. Um, yeah. So you, your bracelet indicated, you know, if it was orange, then you were a bit more open. Um, and then if it was blue, then you maybe needed a bit more distance. So um, I appreciate that there were some steps taken to help people with their comfort level. And yeah, in yeah. the welcome bag, there was even um, a mask that was one of the um, items that a company shared. Um, so that was, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Be aware of what the different needs are with the pandemic. So that was cool. Um, and the networking events took place outside for the most part and um, some of the meals. So. I do think that I, I appreciate Rachel and the team that put this together for considering some of the rules and regulations and, you know, CDC protocols um, for, for helping us stay safe while also being able to network and reconnect with each other. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like from what I've heard, it went really well. That was a lot of work, a lot of planning, a lot of stress. So getting the first one off without any big problems or any problems, as far as I can have heard, is incredible. So awesome. And it did seem like everyone was pretty comfortable right off the bat. There was an opening dinner on Monday night and a few networking opportunities always sprinkled throughout the day on the first day of the the sessions. And it seemed like, you know, people were diving right in. So that was positive. Yeah. Uh, as far as the, the themes, the, 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 the sessions kicked off with, um, the, the key topic of being collaboration is the new competition. So they definitely try to weave that through um, most of the, the topics just about collaboration. And so I think that that um, translated well. A lot of us have to work differently together in the space. You have full service research firms and clients there and suppliers and aggregators and marketplaces and just so many different arenas that all contribute to what is this online sample space. So I felt that that was a theme that they tried to hold through each of the sessions throughout the, the conference. And I think they did a pretty good job about just that overarching collaboration theme. Yeah. Um, so I was really interested in some of the first sessions. And I mentioned this before also that there was a key session that was specifically about future-proofing our industry, and it really made me feel great kind of coming back here home to EMI, knowing that the key topics in the industry or areas that we're discussing 
in our office on a regular basis and within our team. Um, but talk topics like working remotely versus in the office. There's just a wide range of companies that are doing different things, and there isn't one right way. Um, but you know, everybody's trying to be agile and do what works for them um, in their business. Uh, diversity and inclusion was another big topic. Um, they talked about diversity and inclusion as far as hiring is concerned, as well as how to recruit and be more diverse and inclusive in our, in our recruitment efforts for how we recruit for surveys and onboard new panelists. Okay. And so I feel like those are buzzwords that we hear a lot everywhere in the world now, not just in uh, a sample. So that, that was a, a topic that kind of rang loudly there as well. Um, I know area that you've been really involved in here too outside of our walls yep helping, helping move that needle forward and then the two other topics that i think were really consistent that were very interesting uh different perspectives coming from a lot of different areas were the supply and demand issue that we know we're all facing in our industry uh, as well as quality quality is a common topic at, at SampleCon. I think yeah. we talk about that year after year, and I don't know that we have yet to put like really solid action plans in place. So my feedback every year is that I do hope that we um, take more away from the conference um, than just the questions and the suggestions, but put, start putting our toes to the road and making some changes, wider changes. So um, I can't say, and I, and I may be wrong, I can't say that there are a lot of... Um, Leaders from the like Insights Association that are in attendance, um, that were in attendance this year. But I think having some of the associations be a, a more integral part of conferences like this might help us just change the framework and some of the best practices that we all will abide by, um, specifically when we're talking about quality. Okay, yep. And so with the supply issue, you know, everybody's got a different perspective on that. We heard from a lot of marketplaces that talked about um, thresholds for surveys have to change. We can't keep doing super long surveys. We can't keep fielding surveys with low conversion. One of the um, comments resorted back to the conversion, um, our LOI and IR still the main determining factors and determining uh, cost per complete. Um, and I know that that's something that you have an opinion on. And so, you know, that definitely was a point of concern. And and now where we talked about before, the, the rate schedules that we've been used to um, are changing because respondents have different demands. The landscape of who respondents are has changed. Um, a lot of the programmatic sampling that's happening is determining what the supply flow is going to be. So if you know, it's a it's definitely a seller's market rather than the buyer's market, there's definitely been a transition, and you could see that um, with the way some of the panel discussions went where panels now are able to be far more choosy than they used to be. They, they can pick what projects they send their respondents to, and they can pick the metrics of the survey. They can decide to only send to short surveys. They could decide to only send to surveys that have the better user experiences. And I think that that's something we're not used to as buyers um, yeah. and as researchers, yeah. that the, the ball kind of being in the supplier court. 
Um, so I think that that's something we can all learn from and hopefully work together, you know, that collaborative theme, work together to make better experiences for both the, the respondent and the, and the sellers in this case. Um, the last theme is really interesting to me because, I don't know, it took a while to kind of understand all of the challenges because, I don't know, the we've gone through this period of time with an extreme amount of innovation and in sampling with programmatic and API sampling and DIY tools and mergers and acquisitions and marketplaces, right? Mm-hmm. And even since you and I just joined DMI not that long ago, eight years ago, all of this has kind of happened. And it's hard to understand when to think of kind of a new marketplace um, because it's completely different than the old marketplace. The things that you're saying is 100% true that, and this is probably a good thing, that the sellers of sample have more power. That's a good thing because if they can choose the surveys that their respondents are more likely to respond to or enjoy or convert or whatever term you want to use, that will drive change from those that aren't. And that's a good thing. So that means companies are going to be forced to do shorter questionnaires. Companies are going to be forced to um, design it for mobile respondents first and make it interesting. And all those things that we've been demanding for years, I do think it's hard to have that shift and think about it sometimes because it's it's pretty impactful when you think about it from a client standpoint. Um, but it's really interesting to see how this is going to go. And in a way, I'm really glad to hear that. I'm curious, was it was, um, I mean, you understand this really well, Mary. You're probably one of the first people to kind of beat the drama of this and the impact it's had. Was it a surprise to other people? Or were everybody there kind of knowledgeable on this topic? I don't think it was a surprise to everyone, but I do think you have people on different sides of the fence. You have clients that are there saying the low IR studies and high LOI studies are never going to go away. That's just a part of research. Um, and then, you know, you've got the other side of the table saying, that's fine. Those surveys don't have to go away, but our panel isn't going to be able to support them because we yep. want to have better experiences for our respondents so that we can retain them. Um, and so I do. I do think that the ball being a, in, a, in a different court now is going to help us drive better quality surveys. And with that, we'll get better quality data. Um, but I do think also that you know uh, where where there is a, a greater you know responsibility there are more expectations so if yep. panels are going to demand better conversions and better experiences for their users as far as the client's designs are concerned then they also have to own um, making sure that they're they're also doing the best that they can do to help retain respondents as well by controlling, you know, the volume of surveys and helping with conversion um, on their end as well. It's not just on the client's plate, but there, there is a responsibility there for the panel as well. Yep. And it's also interesting that, so the suppliers have a lot of more options and a little bit more power, but also the respondents have a lot more power um, as more portals emerge and things like that, they can be a little choosier too. So there are it's kind of complex, all the things working against buyers of sample. 
um, which I think will shake out over the next few years, but it's going to kind of take some time for people to really truly understand the impact of this to the research and effectively educate the client side and then have them change. I think it's going to be an iterative process. And I'm glad that most of the people that were there at least understand it. And as a, as an industry, we're starting to really talk about it. Um, I think they'll be pretty impactful as the, you know, people hear it the second, third, fourth, and fifth time. Then they, then their studies are always failing. Um, that they really right. have to change. They will have to make change. One of the notes that I took at the beginning of the conference that someone mentioned that they learned from the pandemic um, was to be more human and not to just be more human when you're thinking about, you know, your everyday life, but be more human in your interactions with your coworkers and your managers and um, maybe people, your direct reports, um, but also being more human externally. So as a buyer, as a seller, as someone who is thinking about conducting research, if you not only, you know, like you say that mobile first approach, well, I think if you think human first approach in your design yes, for yes. surveys and you you think about designing an experience or, you know, creating um, a community for your panel that is centered around thinking of the people who are uh, taking surveys as human beings rather than, you know, an asset or collateral of some sort. You know, we always talk about commoditization of, you know, Sampled. So if we think about that human first approach, then I think we'll see better quality. We'll see better responsiveness. Um, we'll be more aware of who we're asking questions of and how we ask them um, just to get better results from our data. Yeah. If, if what you're suggesting is we should have a human first approach to improve quality in the past, maybe we didn't have a human first approach and then we're surprised there's like bots, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> right. We've treated respondents like inhuman beings for a long time, maybe. And so hopefully the, the, the tide is changing and we can kind of get back to treating everyone well. And, you know, everything, you know, everything gets improved at that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any other big thoughts from SampleCon that you want to share? Um, how was the diversity? I know you talked about it in the, the last <laughs> I'm kind of scared to ask this one because I uh, need a sneak peek of it, but how was the diversity there? You know, I think I actually took um, a moment to be a bit more aware and, you know, f coming from my views and my perspective and history in the industry, I do think I go kind of with a chip on my shoulder and I need to maybe relax that a bit. Um, yeah. And we've been learning a lot more about that. We've been talking about it more here at EMI about being diverse and being inclusive. And yeah. my definition of diversity needs to maybe perhaps expand. So um, I do think that there are probably uh, more diverse groups of people attending the conference than I've maybe give credit for and yeah. diversity doesn't just mean like me. Yeah. Um, and so being more aware of that, um, I think it was better. I do still think that there's more that we can do just as an industry to make people aware of what market research is that are in, you know, lower income areas and some of the minority groups. Um, you know, I don't, I, I will say 
for me specifically, if I look around the room, I don't see any young African-American males in our, yeah. in that space. And you don't hear about that very often in our industry. Um, yeah. And so I think that, you know, for me, it's more than just talking about it. It's something that I maybe need to take a bit more action for. And I encourage other people yeah. to do the same. Um, and so not just how it relates to me, but any, uh, any other diverse community that, needs to be more included, that we just open our eyes a bit more to um, welcoming and better educating new talent about what our space is. You had a great conversation actually earlier in our office today. There's a, a young man who is an intern here at EMI, and he was inquiring about joining our industry full time as, as he graduates from college. And I really appreciated the different areas of our business that you were explaining to him that he could get involved in. And I yeah. think if people heard about that um, in a wider variety of areas, different types of schools and different kinds of um, hiring events that heard more about our industry, that we would have a, a deeper pool yeah. to recruit from. Well, it's funny you mention that because I intentionally had that meeting out in the office <laughs> because I wanted the people to hear it because there are young, other young people that are newer to our industry. And I almost wanted them to kind of hear what I was saying, too, about the opportunities in the industry. And I'm also, I did it intentionally because you were there. <laughs> you and I have pretty similar backgrounds and have similar passions in this area. And I knew you would jump in at some point, And, of course, you did. Of course. Um, because <laughs> you have strong opinions on it too. And I wanted, I didn't want it just to be my opinion, but I do think we need people like the, Nathan. He's an intern here. Um, he's trying to figure out what he wants to do with his career. And he's, he, he reminds me a little bit of me that, Hey, I graduated in six months. What am I going to do with my life? Which is, I don't know, 99% of 21 year olds. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so if we can help shape people like that and say, look, there's lots of opportunities here um, and we can expand who we're talking to, to not just 21 year olds that are graduating from college, we can get to freshmen in college. And my goal, you've heard me, both of y'all have heard me talk about this before, is to get in front of high school kids and, and especially those that you mentioned earlier that you don't see a lot of in our industry and say, there's all these opportunities and it doesn't matter if you're great at this or bad at this, we'll find a spot for you. Um, that's kind of my goal in the diversity thing. And I think that in Cincinnati, we're doing some specific things to try to correct that. Um, not as fast as we'd probably like, but, you know, I appreciate your um, stance on this as well. I mean, cause you have a, you certainly have a unique viewpoint on it. Um, so I appreciate it. I will just say in closing for me and kind of tying it together, we, we do have a supply issue in our industry. And I don't think that it's just respondents. I do think it's also talented um, teams, t- talented uh, workforce. So um, as we try to increase our supply, we also have to think about you know, how we transition here in the industry. If we're doing this much more research, we need more research managers. We need more data scientists. You know, We need more you know, people who can write questionnaires and people who can do surveys in person if we need to and moderate. Um, and so as we, as we think about the supply and demand, we need to think about what, how that impacts our, our bandwidth and the number of employees that we have within our companies um, and work on expanding that just as diligently as we are working on expanding panels. Very good. Good way to close too, Mary. Um, 
Thanks for joining the podcast for twice in two weeks and your commitment to going to SampleCon. I know you're very busy with I don't know many hats you wear, but it's a lot of hats. It's too many hats. So thank you for your time. It's valuable. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Mary. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.